1: head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
0: Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London book. <laughs> Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. And yes, that includes the Chelsea robe I'm still waiting for. <laughs> but joining me full of excitement and joy are Dan and Nick. Isn't that right, Dan? Uh, I don't know if
1: we... Excitement and joy for what? Was it Was it for Easter baskets full of delicious chocolate treats? Because yes, I think there was excitement and joy for things of that nature. Uh,
0: not the entirety
2: of the weekend, though. Nick, it was It was rough. I think the uh, the summation of the weekend came from my sister, who, as I'm watching the Chelsea match directly after uh, Easter service, said happy Easter one and all as I was continually cussing at the TV. So that's pretty much how that went. It was not
0: the ideal Sunday, I think, for any Chelsea fans. Uh, But, you know, as usual, we're not going to run away from the match that happened And so before we get into this, Uh, We do have a few more iTunes reviews. So again, thank you for leaving these. Obviously, if you want a shout out from us directly on the podcast, this is the way to do it. Uh, So we have ALV1116, Brian Wharton, and Ronnie Jack all dropping the five star reviews. Super appreciate everything you guys do as listeners to support us. And with that being said, we have one quick announcement before we jump right in to the
2: Manchester United match review. What do we have nick well we are officially closed uh for our xl tours uh trip that we're taking for the middlesbrough match uh registrations closed on friday the 14th so uh we are incredibly excited to meet uh the 10 plus um fans who elected to join us on this journey uh to uh to do our first live pod and some other goodies that we'll get to later in the show so uh, i just want to give them a a huge shout out uh for the first uh promo break today because they've been easy to work with and i think they've uh really navigated the schedule change for the Middlesbrough match very well uh so there, there wasn't a huge deal made of it they just took care of everything so massive shout out to those guys and you will hear more of what we have planned for our trip coming up in the next couple of weeks All right, time to jump into
0: it, Chelsea fans. In case you missed it, it was the Manchester United match. It was the Premier League over at Old Trafford. It was this past Sunday, April 16th. Score, Blue 0, Red Devils 2. Dan, lineup time, unfortunately, had a couple of last-minute changes to Antonio Conte's standard starting lineup. Yeah, oof, it was uh, kind of a game of whack-a-mole, and you uh,
1: you knocked one down, and a different one popped up, and it wasn't the one you were going to expect. You know, you saw Asmir Begovic get the start for a injured Courtois, uh, Kurt Zuma, David Luiz, Gary Cahill in, Victor Moses and Golo Kanté and Emmanuel Matic, Cesar Azpilicueta. Uh, in the wingback role for Marcus Alonso with a uh, illness, uh, not an injury, but an illness that he couldn't recover from from time for the match. Then Pedro Hazard, Costa up top, and we saw some substitution minutes from a few of our friends, uh, Seth Fabregas, William, and uh, about 7 to 10 minutes for uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So uh, definitely not our typical lineup, and I think it showed throughout the majority of the match.
0: Yeah, Nick, what did you think about lineup balance, essentially? Uh, we'll get into the decisions of who came in when a little bit later, but at least balance-wise, what did you think?
2: I, I'm i going to be incredibly negative on this, but there was no balance whatsoever. And and you knew that because on uh, like the 21st minute or something, he's, uh, Antonio Conte switched uh, Cesar Espiloqueta and Victor Moses sidewise because um, – we were just getting burned uh, down the left and Dave looked like a fish out of water on the left. I mean, he hasn't played that, uh, that kind of role in, in over a year so you can definitely forgive him for that. And, and I think he did an admirable job given the circumstances, but uh, there was no balance and there was no attacking thrust. I mean, it's a very kind of defensive shell that, that broke a lot. So um, balance wise, Brandon, there, there was none.
0: Well, you know, as we had the goals, come in. Unfortunately, early in the match, seventh minute, Marcus Rashford got in behind David Luiz. Uh, Obviously a lot of controversy behind this first one, Nick, with uh, a pretty blatant handball by Herrera in the first place to bring down Monich's through ball. And then just literally two touches later, sent Rashford in, uh, who you never want
2: to see running one-on-one with David Luiz, any of our center backs, really. No, I, this... Okay, so there there are three parts to this, okay? The first one is that the referee had a shocking day. Bobby Madley, uh, you know, I hate to use his last name as his performance, but... He just he went missing the entire first half. I mean, there were hard fouls after hard fouls from both teams, from both teams. Like, I'll give him credit. Our, our dudes weren't angels by any means, but he just didn't control the game at all. And then he is looking directly at what is, I think, a blatant handball with the way that Andrew Herrera's arm goes up and doesn't do anything about it. And just on the next, you know, that's just the way sports work. Sometimes you get screwed over, and then it was screwed over in a big way because David Lewis had a, a, just an atrocious game overall as our our central uh, defender. So uh, not not any good order of things happening there, Dan.
1: No, and, and the handball was interesting. I saw a different angle on it where you see Madley, and it looks like a little bit of his view may have been obscured by the fact that uh, you know, two players, one Chelsea, one United player were a little bit in front of uh, his view of potentially Herrera. So ultimately, yeah, you know, that was difficult. But I, I think the difficult thing is you're starting to see and, you know, it's just sometimes it's luck, right? And luck is going to break your way or not break your way. You know, the, the Townsend handball comes to mind. Uh, the handball against Bournemouth comes to mind. And then, and then now this one, you're starting to see, you know, trends. And I think the negative trends are definitely eating away but you know you can't switch off you know alonzo switched off in that play in bournemouth eating you know once the handball occurred uh you know we switched off a little bit today when the handball occurred and until the whistle's blown you you have to play the action that's on the pitch and i think that's Probably the more disappointing element is, you know, there could have been a little bit more urgency on reclaiming the ball. And it was just it was really disappointing. And I think it could have been avoided.
0: You know, you talk about Alonzo losing it last week um, and, and it's just kind of again, things are piling up, but. Uh, you know, there's an assistant referee, there's a fourth official. I mean, there's people out there that the whole idea of, of the setup of the assistant referees and the referees and the way they're supposed to run is so that even if the center the you know, the center official is blocked, the AR should be able to see that play. So it's obviously, you know, people say things way out throughout the season you know so maybe it's just our time to be on the wrong side of it but holy smokes that was not the way that Chelsea wanted to start uh United know how that feels obviously from the first leg of it um 49th minute under Herrera Chelsea just Dan could not clear their lines uh what three times he had chances and and just still Ashley Young looking like a freaking all-star out there yeah. And, you know, you, you look at, you know, world
1: beater, uh, player of the year contender in Kante uh, tries to clear it out, doesn't, uh, cross kind of gets back in there and, you know, the ball gets to Herrera and, you know, it just takes a it takes a wobbly deflection off Zuma's leg, and really, you know Asmir was going one way and did not have the ability to kind of bring it back and you know kind of reel it in. And so, uh, you know, it was a shot on target. So you know, it doesn't go down as an own goal, but it you know definitely did take a little bit of a a twist and turn off of a, a one-kurt Zuma, who uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. But again. It's luck. It, it, you know, at a certain point, luck really, really favors you. And another point, luck doesn't. But at the end of the day, like the expected goals for this game, neither team had over one expected goal. It was 0.8 expected goals for Manchester United. It was 0.2 for Chelsea. Like this game could have been a nil-nil draw. And it would have, to me, like that would have actually been think like, a very favorable result for us compared to like what you, the eyeballs told you what was going on in the pitch.
2: I would also say too. This goes back to last week, where we look at two goals that were not great goals by any means. Um, you know, I think that Begovich probably wants the first one back. He got really small um, when Rashford was coming at him, and then the second one's obviously just uh, you know an incredible amount of luck to get that kind of trajectory. And it, they're not they're not scoring goals in the last you know eleven weeks that are world beaters, you know the hazard um type of special goals but they're going in right now and that is scary i mean i think the the overall lesson you took from today brandon is this is the worst i've seen us play all year maybe worse than the arsenal match um and it, it's it does not look good when you when you project ahead which we will later to how this team is is going to possibly win this championship because there's is. It's just not, it's not been right for, for some time. Well, I guess the good news on that is
0: you have to go back that far to remember the last time Chelsea played this poor. Um, but obviously, we don't want to bookend this season with starting poor, ending poor by any means. So, guys, question number one: Why was Conte so quiet today? Do you think maybe he was sick? Because that's what it kind of seemed like, uh, or you know, maybe didn't have the energy because it seemed like he didn't have any answers to the problems that United created for Chelsea today. Um, Nick Justin Coleman says on on Facebook asks: Why do you think we seem so unmotivated for the game? That's an interesting word that he used.
2: Uh, to kind of describe Chelsea's players. Yeah, um, Justin, I don't know, man. And it's been weird this year because you you think of the Arsenal match, you think of this match, um, you know the Liverpool match, the first half, and, and some odds and ends. You know, this is a weird thing that we have going on because this should have been a penultimate title deciding kind of day for Chelsea and you know Mourinho put out what is seen to be his kind of B squad uh because they have their Europa League to focus on um knows Laton to deal with which probably would have benefited us today honestly because he's not fast but he like I feel like Mourinho did what he did against uh when we were when we beat Liverpool uh, the year they were going to win the title and he put out a B side and, and they beat us. And I think Gary Hayes said that in his, his pregame match. So I know that Justin doesn't want to give credit to Mourinho for a coaching master class. But I think we do have to tip our hat to him because what he did today uh, was pretty special from a tactic standpoint. I, I think that Antonio Conte, Brandon, tried everything. He tried eight different. Variations. He tried all of his subs. He switched up wings. Like there was just no amount of coaching that was going to help this game. The players were all awful. All of them. They were just all awful. There's nothing else you can say about it. They looked lackadaisical. They looked like they didn't care. Uh, United was beating us to every single ball. And that's Whoa. all you got to say about it.
0: Okay, yeah, I definitely. I think the biggest thing that pissed me off was just the fact that uh, we weren't up for tackles. And I know United are, are good for a few hard tackles, um, but it took Sesk until stoppage time to throw in a red card-worthy tackle uh, on Carrick. Uh, Dan, Conte said in his post-match press conference that he is responsible for the loss because he didn't prepare his players for this intense of a match. Do you agree with that, though?
1: He did make a comment in the press conference leading up to the match that he did not believe whether this is you know just the way the question was worded or the way he phrased it that he didn't believe that United would set up to be a very defensive game plan against us and you know you look at the the structure of the lineup and you look at the way that it was played I mean it was uh, defensive in a sense and. You know, you look at the way that Herrera was, you know, man marking and Hazard, you know, with with or without the ball in possession for United. So ultimately, ultimately, there was a, like a couple of weird pieces, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's down to him or. It being his fault, I think that you know it, it's a team element. Everyone has a part to play, and I think it's it's a collective loss. And I think part of it is the the game plan he ha- has. But I think Nick is right. You know, we talk about what happened on the pitch. Um, you know, he tried everything he could, and with the players he had, to come up with a solution.
2: I, I really quickly would also add too that like he was thrown a couple of very strange. Uh, substitution making decisions before the match i mean you know brandon i don't know if you want to get into the tebow thing now or if you want to wait till later but there were a couple of subs that he had to make and change up his lineup you know even minutes before the match started and I, i you know at some point, you just kind of have to deal with what you know, but what we have determined out of this game is that our depth is just not there for a big time opponent. Yeah, we're gonna
0: hit that in the third question, so um I'm gonna tee you up for that here in a second. So with that with question number two, as we continue down this, I mean, Chelsea looked very disconnected going forward today. So many misplaced passes, players without options when they receive the ball, and not a lot of runs going forward. Um, I guess Nick what do you think was the biggest reason for for this and the fact that and this is what everyone's going to rub in our faces this week Chelsea didn't get a single shot on target today
2: the biggest reason uh, simple passes not being completed it, they looked like it was a weird combination of very lackadaisical and then also like trying to rush too much I I, I don't know if that makes sense but like we were very lackadaisical go off the ball, and then when we got the ball, it was like they were going too fast and just you know, were hoping that a ball would get there instead of like taking the time to make sure it got there. And there was no threat here, Dan. It was it was completely utterly shut down because Eden Hazard could, didn't have any room to breathe. And yeah, that's was, scary, it was, right?
1: It was toothless. It was a, a toothless attack
2: and you look
1: at the yeah, you know, the Opta Joe comment is that you know Chelsea failed to have a single shot in it on target in a Premier League game for the first time since September of two thousand and seven. It actually was versus Manchester United at Old Trafford, and you know there there was there really was nothing that looked so scary that it wasn't just going to be locked down. Um, you know, Diego Costa uh, really looked you know adrift. Uh, Pedro, I, I think, did offer. Uh, when there was some changes that eventually put him back up top, you know he definitely, you know, took some shots. Were they great shots? No, but you know he was trying to make some positive contribution moving forward. And, and you're right, Hazard was muffled the whole game. And I think Andrew Herrera probably had one of the you know, you know, most fortunate from a decision making process from the referee and best performance because of that. Um, you know that I think I've seen him have uh, this whole season because I think to stop and Hazard like that. Uh, deserves a lot of credit. And, you know, part of it is it is a physical game and you're going to play to the allotment that the officials will let you play. And if that means you can be a little bit more f- physical and dig in a little bit more, and then you're going to do that. And I think versus the last two times we played them, it uh, it really it made it very difficult when you could not count on Diego Costa up top to draw attention because I, I think actually people are... Starting to realize that they can play off him a little bit, and really just focus on Hazard and not have to worry about our striker, and that's a dangerous, dangerous problem for the next six games.
2: Well, and I don't want to, I don't want to single out Mourinho and, and overpraise him, but I think it was kind of ballsy for Mourinho to put the dude who got red carded in our last match on Hazard all day, probably knowing that they weren't going to get away with all the shenanigans this time. And just saying, hey, look, basketball—you play one-on-one all day, and you know we're gonna take our chances with Diego, who obviously is not right. I mean, that is abysmal. And I—I I reached my limit with that today because he—he's just not offering anything now. Like where he was offering effort in the in the palace match, he, he's offering nothing now. So you're right. I mean, if you don't have to focus on Diego and Pedro's just kind of you know floating in and out like where do we get any goals from braden <laughs> that's a great question because at n nathan
0: allen 20 wants to know if it's time to give mishi more minutes uh he says i mean costa isn't doing anything for just a waste of space i saw a lot of those tweets today you know also coming from you nick people saying like you're literally playing
2: with 10 people with costa up there now yeah, yeah. well go ahead and no, I mean that's my question is Yeah. So with 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 Costa playing as bad as he is, it's almost like playing with ten men.
0: Yeah. So so a couple of follow-up questions, some tweets in here. So obviously, like the big shout is potentially looking at, you know, Mishi, someone we spent thirty million plus on this summer. Uh, but then we had at Ever Playful Wind and at MF Partridge both saying, Why don't we just go back to Pedro Edin, and William as our front three. Uh, obviously, you're going to have a lot of movement there. You're going to have a lot of small passing and interchanges that we don't have at all. They kind of cross up defenders in the box. So it'll be interesting to see if Conte just continues to not trust Mishi with more than one minute of game time and instead go back to the William Hazard, Pedro format. Um, it would obviously be a much different look. I think if you do that, um, that might completely shut out Conte Costa and essentially seal his fate of being disinterested and um, moving on this summer so I think that that's kind of a macro picture we have to take into account like it or not if Diego Costa gets dropped uh, the, the way everything's going I
2: can imagine he'll he'll want to leave again even more so but you have to worry about the micro picture sure the, the micro picture is that we have gone from a 10 point lead very comfortable, Title is basically one one hand on it to four point lead. Nothing is certain. Nobody's playing well except for Hazard and, and N'Golo Conte, Mark Alonso. Now we're worried about other stuff that we'll get to next. And Diego, who you know, I mean, has just been completely absent, like scarily absent. Like I'm actually worried now. Like three podcasts ago, I would have told you, and I did tell you, like he's gonna come around. He's gonna come good. Dan, I I cannot definitively say that, and I think it might be time for that change.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you you saw what happened last time. He got dropped for a match after you know kind of a, a dust up or a you know, bad run, and you know ended up sparking him back to life a little bit, almost like a defibrillator. But you know, I think to the point that we're making is if he. You know, if there's this narrative that is true that, you know, four clubs are in for him from China and he's just coasting out the end of the season, um, you know, what? one way or the other, we need to win matches and, you know, we have to trust, you know, Conte is going to put the best decision out there. And I, I think, you know, maybe there was some hope and some desire and you know some will to, you know, that this type of game would be the type of match that would put him into a position of wanting to sink his teeth into it, wanting to score a goal. You know, maybe against Bournemouth, You know, maybe against Palace. You know, it wasn't maybe maybe it wasn't getting up for those. You know, games kind of comparatively to the competition. But man, like you, you had to hope that this was going to be the game he was going to spark back. And it's this is disappointing because you you know that if he did not have the first half of the season that he had, we we would not. We would be lucky to be in the you know the top four. We'd be really excited about how well we were doing for the season, Uh, and and he was a crucial part of catapulting us to a point where we are now you know still in the driver's seat to to win the league. And I mean it's it's again it's it's a disappointing sub narrative of this season to have to you know play the will he won't he uh, off to China, staying interested, disinterested. Uh, but his performances have not looked anything like what we know Diego Costa to look like. Uh, you know, so I just wonder if the, you know, if anyone who, who lives in England can let us know on um, the milk cartons over there, do they put the missing persons <laughs> signage on there? And if so, uh, is it a, a copy of Bearded Diego, who I know scores way more goals than uh, clean-shaven Diego? And uh, can we put on an all-points bulletin for him?
0: Uh, at London Blue Pod, um, London is Blue Podcast at gmail.com. A couple ways you can get a hold of us. Let us know out there. We appreciate our UK listeners keeping us filled in. Um, you know, guys, I think just as we wrap that, that part up, talking about um, balance and, uh, you know, players not doing well, it really can tell that our wingbacks are the Achilles of this team uh, and that is is pretty crazy. Uh, just to drive that point home, I would recommend you go back to this past Thursday's Chelsea Fancast preview with the Kerry Dixon show and Kerry Dixon actually talks a lot about it's not so much that Alonzo and Moses are the best players at that position, it's the fact that they provide so much balance and that comes from Team Chemistry. It's a really great listen. 30 minutes, go check Check it out. Third question. So Conte has highly, highly trusted the same starting 11 all season. So now are some of the players with a ton of minutes starting to fade, like our wingbacks and David Luiz and Diego Costa, Nick?
2: Um, I mean, I don't. I think the Alonzo thing, if we're, if we're looking at, you know, kind of some of the uh injury kind of scenarios i mean i think the alonzo thing was kind of a freak thing I, you know he is obviously crucial to what we're going to do the rest of the season and you really felt for him you know you feel for him currently because he had such a great game against bournemouth that you know you you hope if you're a player you just hope that you can keep that kind of form going so I'm i'm hoping that it was just a you know a little nagging thing, and he'll be able to get back uh, for for Spurs on the weekend. But um, I, I think Luis is leggy, and he's been he's been play, he's been gutting it out. I, he, Luis is a true warrior. I think everyone in the club realizes that he's been gutting it out since the Aguero tackle, and I think all of the bad decisions are coming from a state of exhaustion because he's been awful for three weeks now too, um, pretty, pretty bad. And uh, Moses hopefully is getting back to fitness after an injury. But yeah, I mean, I think you're starting to see the legs. I mean, uh, when when David Louise is having a hard time shoving Marcus Rashford off the ball, um, that, that signals to me that he's probably just exhausted. And the scenario then is who the hell do you put in? You know, if if a week isn't enough rest for him off of that knee injury, then I'm I'm kind of at a a loss. Yeah,
1: the the talent pool is is very shallow. And I I think it's the same assessment that a lot of us had in the beginning of the season, and wondering why, you know, maybe we hadn't reinvested or, you know, was it too short of a window because Antonio Conte, you know, obviously went further into the Euros. So You know, there was a little bit longer delay in getting him in, getting to assess talent, getting to put the right players in place, uh, some late transfer decisions. I mean, you you can pick apart at all of it. But I think this is where, you know, we talk about the idea of needing two starting 11s to compete against all fronts and to require the right level of rotation to, you know, be at a point you know, you, you look at, across the way, you know, Tottenham, you know, Harry Kane has just come back off an injury, you know, you know, it's four weeks kind of of uh, sharpness and rehabilitation that he's going to be able to put on display for the next couple of matches. Uh, and you kind of wish you had a striker of, you know, even. A, a higher quality than Mishi, you know, like, I mean, think about like what Lorente might've been able to offer today, kind of going forward, just being a physical presence in the box to, to be a target man uh, that that would have been something that would have been valuable today. So ultimately I think this is not just an issue for today. It's not just an issue for the next six matches but I think it's an organizational opportunity for the whole club next, you know, next season and, and through the summer to figure out, you know, if you're going to compete for the Champions League, if you're going to compete for the Premier League, for the FA Cup, for the you know Carabao Cup, um, like how 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 do you do that? What player balance do you need? Because we definitely we have a starting eleven when they're healthy that can beat pretty much any team in the Premier League, uh, but when they're not, um, you know, that's when another team with potentially better rotation. Uh, potentially some healthier legs. Potentially with the mentality that they have nothing left to play for, uh, can come in and the Premier League you can beat anyone in any day. So it, it's very much you know, to me it's very much like football in that way, you know, American football in that way. Um, even the best team, a couple injuries here or there gets exposed. Team that shouldn't shouldn't beat beats them. I think um, again not to underplay United today. I think they played extremely well, but this is uh, this is a larger concern than just today.
0: Well, guys, I mean, I'd, it's tough, right? You know, like we said, it's uh, it's a starting eleven that are absolutely solid, and we had talked about this early in the season—the fact that Chelsea have been blessed without any injuries. We're starting to pick up a couple injuries. You might as well call Diego Costa an injury, uh, mental, you know, injury. But for us, it's something that we've been able to avoid all season, and unfortunately, as we get to crunch time. Now it's our turn, apparently. So look, Chelsea are going to have to dig deep and they're going to have to fight through this because every other team has had to go through this and they've been responding. So, uh, you know, it's it's a tough, tough time to get through this. Um, you know, a lot of people have said that, you know, sometimes you need a wake up call at the end of the season to drive through it. Um but I'm a little confused because I thought that was Crystal Palace, and so it, it's like, what is this? If we had a wake up call at Crystal Palace, and we're still struggling now against United, um, you know, Nick, you talked about being only four uh, points away. Obviously, the gap is his closed a lot more, and everyone's saying the the race is wide open. Um, it just the timing is is not ideal. Um, but
2: we don't have any more room for quote unquote wake up calls no margin of error is now completely gone um so that basically puts everyone at the club on high alert for the next you know essentially six weeks and that's a long time to have to be on high alert that's a long time to have to have your back against the wall um you know clayton mentioned last week clayton bierman who was on the show mentioned that you know if spurs got to this kind of striking distance you know four points three points two points you know how would they perform? I, I don't anticipate they're going to lose. Uh, you know another match all year. We'll get into the scheduling stuff in a minute, but you know it. It is a bad time uh, to have a bad run of form. You know you want to do that um, definitely uh, in, in the middle of the season, so you can rebound and, and be playing your best football this time of year. So uh, lots lots of big questions there, Brandon. Alright, well, uh any other thoughts before we go into our poll and
0: the table? Uh I, I know I said Courtois will be in question three, but actually it's in part two in our social media questions, so we'll hold off on that. But Dan, any other things we missed that you wanna bring up?
1: Um no, it's just uh it's a really unfortunate match and again, you know, you just it's a lump and you feel bad especially when you lose you know to to a top side and I, I think for a long time we've made the jokes about uh, the the drawing specialist and uh, you know sixth place and the you know the love affair between United and six um, United today, even without some of the players that you would expect to be in their top eleven, um, Zlatan, uh, you know, they looked like a uh, you know a top four side like they should have been all season. And you know, I think that I'm thinking about into next season, uh, they will be probably the most challenging teams for any team to play if they can have that type of mental rigidity and physical acumen throughout the entirety of a a ninety minute stretch every week.
2: Uh Nick, what about you? Yeah. Uh I just, you know, I I I hate all the merino antics now, you know, but I think we all have to realize like like you said, Brandon, like we rode that horse for a really long time, right? Like this is something that you know what he's going to do you know he's going to point to the badge you know he's going to do all that kind of shit because he did the like he's following the same script that he, he followed with us so like i again i know people are pissed off i know that you know i saw a lot of uh, a lot of hate towards him he got one over on conte today period he he did and conte beat him to shreds in two matches earlier I've always thought it was going to be tough to beat him three times in a season. And and he proved why that is tough. He's still an elite manager. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to over, over criticize him. I don't want to pay any attention to him at all. Uh, but our team just didn't show up today. And that's the end of the story. Uh, my final thought
0: is actually for this one, just, um, A little unrelated but sad to hear Juan Mata will miss the rest of the season Um, obviously it's nice not having to play against him but uh, obviously I think most Chelsea fans still have a fond place for him so uh, related but unrelated at the same time so Nick we had a poll today it was not man of the match Uh, it's more just testing the pulse of the Chelsea
2: faithful and how they thought the season was going to end yeah, so I got some heat from this for for putting out this poll right after the uh, the match. But again, since we didn't have any man of the match options to to put out there, uh, I just asked, "Will Will Chelsea win the Premier League title?" And did a yes/no. Eighty-six percent yes, fourteen percent no. Uh, 86% yes, 14% no. Um, I know that this was perceived as a little snarky. It definitely wasn't because I wanted to get kind of the polls for how people were feeling after a. a big devastating loss like this so uh glad to see most people are still positive and and we'll see where that goes
0: yeah most people are still positive uh at just underscore uh underscore habit underscore says i hope we can manage to limp over the finish line and uh daniel cheshire on twitter says that crystal palace loss isn't so much of a blip on the radio radar anymore hondan
1: yeah, it's, uh, those are three points that you'd love to have right now. Magic number set at 15, uh, barring any points dropped from Tottenham. And yeah, there's a maximum of 21 left. So you know, there's not much variance right now, given the amount of fixtures we have left. And you know, we, we definitely are the beneficiary of, of more home games which, uh, you know, we have won uh, 13 times at home this season. So, you know, our, our home form has been fairly strong, uh, especially after the switch to 3-4-3. Three, three. So and that's a very big positive there. You know, Tottenham has, uh, you know, only two remaining matches uh, at home. So, you know, they are doing a little bit more away traveling, which is a nice thing. But again, they, as Nick pointed out, they, they are in some, some pretty good form right now.
0: Nick... Two away matches for Chelsea, only two home games for Tottenham. Obviously, they have to play Arsenal and United, and apparently their toughest challenge of all, Crystal Palace.
2: <laughs> Dude, Palace, man, they're they are uh, they're doing something right now. I, Big Sam has pulled off the great escape there, and I'm, I'm sure everyone on that side of town is, is pretty excited. But their, their final six go Crystal Palace away. Arsenal home, which, uh, based on Arsenal's form, that's going to be an easy 5-0 win for Tottenham. Good God. Uh, West Ham away, uh, home to Manchester United. uh, Leicester City away, Hull away uh, to finish out the year. We have Southampton at home, Everton away, Middlesbrough at home. We will be there for that, so mark that down as a win. Um, West Brom away, and then finish up with Watford and Sunderland at home. You know, I mean, when you, Dan, when you look at this, you know, if you were to project, you know, use your crystal ball, where would, how many points left do you think Tottenham have in their bag? And how many points left do you think we do?
0: This is now the second time we've pushed this onto Dan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I need, I need, I need his wisdom because I'm struggling right now.
1: So I, I think I think Big Sam is doing some crazy stuff, and you know maybe there's another Townsend handball in there. So maybe you know they do us a bit of a favor. Let's say that's a, a loss for Tottenham. Let's say uh, they beat Arsenal. Let's say they beat West Ham. Let's say they draw with United. So at that point they've dropped four points. And let's say Lester does us the biggest favor of all and gets another three. The return favor, um, so th- mind you. Uh, the return yeah. favor, which would be incredible. Um, they do us one for sure. Although they're not playing seven. that well. Seven. That would be seven. So that would be seven potential points that um, they could drop. But I, you know, obviously they're going to play Hull too. And even though they're playing Hull at home, Hull, uh, at Hull's home, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. So I think any they drop anywhere between. Uh, four to seven points between now and the end of the season.
0: You know, well, it's going to be tight. Like there's no doubt about it. Obviously Chelsea are in first with 75 points, Tottenham in second on 71 Liverpool uh, jumping up to third and 66 points and Man City uh, 64 points. It's, it's going to be, obviously, tight here towards the end. Uh, Chelsea have, I think, some some good fixtures in the sense that Middlesbrough will probably already be relegated. Same with Sunderland. Um, but, you know, West Ham, Crystal Palace, and Hull are all kind of around relegation spots for Tottenham. It's going to be difficult. Obviously, they are cruising right now. Uh, so we're going to have
2: to just wait and see, sit tight on that. But I uh, think... really. Really yeah. quick, if I can interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, I think you looking at our schedule, which is, again, we're still four points ahead. So all we have to worry about is ourselves, right? Uh, I think Southampton's going to be tough, but potentially manageable. Um, Everton, I almost, right now, I can't see us winning that match away. I think they're playing pretty well and we never win there. Uh, Middlesbrough's a win. West Brom will be tough, but a win. They should be on a beach somewhere by then. Watford is a sieve defensively, and Sunderland is obviously the worst team in the league. So, a weird—it's a weird slate of matches because you look and you would think that Tottenham has the way harder run in, but I, I just don't know. Like I, they're—they're I, they're playing better than we are. <laughs> they're playing better, but without a doubt, if you're comparing match by
0: match, like Tottenham, in my mind, this is just my opinion. and I'm sure we'll hear differently. They have a harder running than we do obviously their form is better right now but um you know they're gonna have to play teams looking to stay up at the end of the season that always sucks arsenal who knows what that's gonna look like if united continue to pick up points and they start sniffing around city who they have a game in hand they play each other and a four point uh difference like that could start to really fire them up if they could actually secure top four. So um I think Nick like stick with your gut there. Like Chelsea have a better run in compared. It's not great, but it's better. Yeah I, I, I
1: think I, I I think I agree with that point too because I think when you think about it so But the projection, the idea, so let's say Tottenham is somewhere between 14 and 17 points out of a 21 left, you know, they're going to be at 85 or 88 points, which means that if we win four of our last six, which means we could lose two, um, you know, we would get 12 and we'd be at 87 if we had, uh, we won five, um, then you'd be at, you know, you would have no issue. So, I mean, I, again, I think we, we just have to own what we own, and I think a lot of those games are super winnable matches, I think, especially at home. I think Middlesbrough at home, Watford at home, Sunderland at home. Um, I mean, those are the three that I would look to be, you know, just I would want those to be where we would get the points. Um, I'd love to draw to Everton if you know, you're know you telling me, Nick, that you think it's going to be a loss. And I, I think if we play the William Hazard Pedro up front. So I'm going to call that a pew, 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 <laughs> um, pew. Uh, against Southampton. That's, you know, we saw man city break them down with a very quick and mobile front three attack. Um, I think he put Cesc in the middle there to do what De Bruyne did. And I, I think that's a, a winnable game for us too. So, you know, I, I can see where the wins are going to come from for us. And, you know, I, I think it's very narrow sighted, um and just you know overly reactionary to be so disappointed and upset i mean we, we lost to a team today that you know unfortunately coached by one of our most beloved club icons um who ultimately had, did a number on us and and put together a really excellent game plan and you know we were you know there were some injuries. There were some opportunities to, to play a better game. and We didn't. But you know, we've also played exceptionally well and I would say outperformed anyone's expectations this season. So if you're disappointed at this point, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I mean, it's probably not worth following any sports ever because your heart, if you can't take this, you should, your heart needs a little bit of rest.
2: One more quick thing before we exit part one, Brandon. I would say the Southampton match is the crucial fixture of this list because if you look at the you know, three days prior we play Tottenham in the FA Cup, which we'll get to in part three, that is going to be a rough and tumble affair. And it's going to be all hands on deck, all energy exerted, leave everything on the field um, for as long as possible. And then to turn around three days later – with little to no training between then that's it's going to be a challenge i mean thankfully that game is at home but ugh, i mean that's a, that is my if we win that match i feel a lot better about the rest of the slate it's momentum. here's the question it's i would have
1: if you had to choose between the two losing to tottenham and they advance in the fa cup which puts one extra match on their calendar and guaranteeing the premier league for us what would you choose
2: well, you choose the Premier League, obviously. Take the guarantee. Sorry. But I mean, it's just it, from a, from a from an effort level standpoint, that is going to be a quick turnaround against another physical team. So it, I just if we if we if we beat Southampton, you know, again, you're right, Dan. We can lose to Everton completely, win out, and hoist the title, no problem. But you you know that's it's going to be dodgy. All right, well, you know what? There's a lot in that,
0: uh, nothing like a 45-minute part one, but there's so much going on. Obviously, as we get to the end of the season, there's a lot to take in, and we need to look ahead and see what all Chelsea has to overcome to get that Premier League title, because it's only been a year without it, but man, we all want it back so, so bad. So let us know what you guys think, especially on the remaining fixtures. Tweet, Instagram, Facebook, email us, whatever you need to do to let us know how many points you think chelsea will get and if they'll seal the title do it we'll retweet we will repost we want to see what you guys have so with that being said we are going to take a really quick break from world soccer shop and when we come back we have a ton of questions from social media here we go
2: hey dan have you seen the awesome kit sale that world soccer shop has going on right now on on 16 17 chelsea kits
1: no, but uh, I imagine it's pretty dope because it's it's about that time of season to start clearing out and making way for some uh, some next year's kits.
2: That's that is correct. So you can get home kits, away kits, and third kits um, from you know starting at like $44.99, $49.99. So they're much discounted. Even the player kits are discounted, and, and we just want to give them a shout out. Uh, they were very nice and sent us some uh, some custom. Uh, kits. Uh, I got an N'Golo Conte jersey. Dan got a Hazard jersey. And Brandon went nostalgia and got a Terry jersey. So very cool of them. Uh, go check it out, worldsockshop.com, using a referral link. And that is the best way to support our show. Take it away, Brandon.
0: All right. Well, part two time. We got a, I guess, we got our first question from Instagram ever. So at I hey. caught it photo. Thank you so much. A little DMing back and forth on there. We're active, so you can hit us up. Uh, Their question is, at what point do you bench the striker who is not performing? It's kind of funny. This is like he who shall not be named. Um, And when do you take a chance on the striker you spent 30 million pounds on? Diego Costa is a half-season striker, it seems. Dan, he... Who shall not be named? And then there's he who has a price tag of thirty million. Where do you stand on this? Oh,
1: it shouldn't cost be. I guess right now it should. Uh, he who should be in China, um, or you could go with uh, he should not. He who should not score goals. Um, there's a lot of uh, you know. He who should be sent off with a red card. Um, you know, plenty of uh, different fun little you know ways that you can can throw some shade in Casa's way. I think it's. I think I would pull him for, uh, you know, just in the primary league, at least for the Southampton match. Uh, I think William Hazard, Pedro would be a very, very. Good lineup and a strong attacking trio, uh, especially if you could slot in Sesk uh, into the midfield for for Madic in uh, that game. I think it's a very very doable transition. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know necessarily. You know, you look at who Conte trusts, and you know, as a second striker, uh, that is Edin It's not uh, Michi. I think Michi is. Uh, yeah, know, just uh, another, uh, another casualty in the, the transfer process. I mean, ultimately, though, you look at like some of the big signings brought in, brought Luis. Louise has been fantastic for the majority of the season. Alonso has exceeded expectations. Um, Eduardo got to sit in the bench for, I think, probably the first game today. Uh, so go, go you, man. And, um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. So, like, actually, you know, out of that, I mean, really, you know, he's he was never going to do anything other than sit in reserves and just be there in case of emergency to the emergency. So you know, we made mostly good business, and uh, you you don't always uh, don't always strike in the market.
0: Okay. Well. He's striking the market, we're talking about strikers. Come on, man, ah uh, Dan, <laughs> okay, well, at Ross Park Nineteen says Nick, why is a fan base? Are we trying to chase out one of the best strikers we've had rather than back him to return to form? hashtag team Diego
2: I don't I'm we're not chasing him out. We're looking objectively at what he's producing, which has been zero and saying. Is there someone who can be doing this job better right now? Because every uh, Hazard goes through lulls in form. William Pedro, you know, everyone on our team except for N'Golo Conte has gone through a dip in form this year. Um, and even Ingle Conte wasn't great at the beginning of the season. So I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm not trying to chase him out. I'm hoping that he scores goals, but I cannot see a scenario in which he starts. Um, against Tottenham because I just don't I don't think Antonio Conte can afford another egg you know it's just not possible at marvitt to dude
0: asks if he didn't work hard would Aspie get criticism for playing like shit why hasn't anyone taught Zuma how to pass the ball interesting uh i actually thought the same thing with zuma i was a little disappointed with uh, his decision making on the ball he tried to force things into the middle too often and that just again comes with inexperience um now dave did not play well today at all but I think he's played pretty well as a whole if we're looking at this
2: season. So he also I, played three different positions today. Yeah,
0: you know, and like I said, like you, you take that into consideration. You say on the whole today, like was not his best game, but I I do genuinely think that he's been sharp and uh, a, a step above uh, most other defenders uh, the whole
2: season. Nick, I mean, I I agree with that. Yeah, no, I I can't. If you're going to give one player shit for for playing poorly in this match, they just all deserve it. They all played terrible, all of them. And the thing that you even look at with Hazard, teams in in, uh, La Liga try and do this stuff to Messi all the time, and he somehow figures out a way to score goals even in spite of it. Hazard didn't leave Herrera's shadow all day. So, I mean, you can find any sort of blame to place on these guys today. They were all terrible. Yeah, it definitely spread like wildfire from the beginning. Uh, at J Michael
0: Hill says, Dan, would rotating the squad more throughout the season help cover key injuries? Uh, what about Ake for Alonzo?
1: Yeah, you figure if uh, there was a illness concern, Ake might have gotten a little bit of a nod, but you know maybe there was some concern about you know just who from a wingback perspective Conte trusted in that moment. Uh, that, that was a weird, weird kind of thing because obviously if you know you're trying to nurse him back from an illness, you know, wouldn't Ake be in the bench? Uh, that was a head-scratcher. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you want to be able to rotate players. You want to have uh, great depth to move through uh, seasons of change from hot streaks and, and cold moments so that you don't ever feel the starting eleven and you're wondering if you're actually fielding a starting 10 or a starting 9 uh, versus another side that wants to throttle you and win just as much as you you objectively say that you want to. So uh, I think that is the again I said it earlier it's, it's the challenge to address that need to find a player complementary players that you can slot in behind the starting 11 that whether it's for three weeks, whether it's for a month, whether it's for half a season can do the right level of work to allow the formation and the thought and the philosophy of football that Conte wants to to do, which has worked extremely well. um, Let that come alive.
0: All right, we've got another one from at Sammy Shambles says, Conte has been outstanding with tactics this season, but should have left the regular back three alone and started Ake in the Alonzo role. Again, continuing down that same kind of path, Dan just wanted to give a shout out to Sammy. Um, At Bearded Bard underscore says, what part of today was the most troubling for you guys? Nick, we'll go ahead and let you take a shot at this first. What part of today? <laughs> you can say all ninety.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, did you get man. everything
1: you wanted in your uh, your Easter <laughs> basket?
2: Uh, yeah, it was it was troubling. Uh, we did not have enough bacon at breakfast, which I thought was just you know unbelievable by my mom. You know, she she didn't plan ahead enough, and uh, you she, know, un- I think- she
1: underbought, huh? She thought you'd yeah. you would um, you know maybe back a little bit.
2: Yeah, like, I'm still I'm still trying to be fat, Mom. Like, this is still what I'm trying to do, you know? So uh, I'd say that just to interject some humor, Beardo. Dan?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I, you know, I think ultimately what was probably troubling is just the you know the fact that we didn't have a shot on target. Uh, and that, you know, if we're going to go in the game, uh, you want to feel like you at least had an attempt to, to try to pull something back, and there was nothing there. So... I would say that would be the most frustrating part.
0: Uh, interesting. Jake Cohen said on the CFC Fan TV vlog that he thought it was an, it was like not good to see, but it was better that Chelsea lost rather than shooting themselves in the foot. I didn't necessarily agree with that, um, but. It's a different perspective, kind of going along with what you said, Dan. Uh, at SP Beal, more of a comment than anything, says, we have lost a game against another high-class team who actually marked us out of the game. Is there a need to panic? No need to answer, guys. He responds, no, with five exclamation marks. It'll be interesting to see because we have plenty of people actually panicking about this and not excited. <laughs>
1: Well, oh, it's it's ultimately the fact that we're, we're viewing United from a table position and not on the actual maximum ability of their players, because they our team with the amount of draws that they've had this season. It's easy to kind of write them off, but they are such an underperformed team on, you know, converted shots on, you know, opportunities, Uh, they've had some bad penalties go their way. Like they are a better team and then their table position suggests. And if you're trying to say that we shouldn't have lost to them because of where they were on the table, like you are not watching... Like how they play because they actually do play a better style of football now, and it's not to me like it, it's yeah it sucks for them comparatively for their fans when you look at like oh you know Van Hall had more points, and Mourinho had this point in the season. Uh, they will probably go on to win the Europa League because on ta- on paper they have the talent to do so. So I, I think if you're using that filter that they have a lower table position and so because of that and they are not Tottenham or they are not City that we should have wiped the floor with them uh, I, I, I even with our starting 11 I didn't think we were going to go in and wipe the floor I thought it would have been a nervy 2-1 victory 1-0 victory um, you know, th- we are not a team that can go out and, and world beat similar level talent right now we just don't have the squad depth or mentality to do that
0: Alright Nick, here you go at Lab North, teeing you up. Says the system falls apart without either of our starting wingbacks. Alonso was a bigger loss than Courtois today, but at least Alonzo wasn't out because of an injury picked up in an utterly pointless cross promotional event. Such a frustrating day all around.
2: Alright, I don't know what you got to say but I'm just going to open it up. So uh, for those who haven't uh, found this out yet, uh, apparently Thibaut Courtois picked up an injury with uh, doing an NBA playoff cross-promotional event across the pond. The NBA is trying to grow their their European presence, and uh, Thibaut's been to you know, three or four NBA games this year uh, on weekends and stuff like that, and apparently he picked up an ankle injury, which I cannot believe the club would let him do this at this point of the year. And I cannot believe that the NBA would do something that is physical with a player that is currently in season. Like, there are so many fucking holes in this uh, as, a, as a story, and it's being pretty much widely reported by every major media outlet, that it is fucking absurd to me that this would even be allowed to have happened at this point of the year, because the NBA playoffs go through June. Like, he could do a cross-promotional event any time. Like, literally any time. And to pick up an injury ahead of one of the, your biggest last games of the season and ahead of the FA Cup semifinal, uh, I cannot believe that Antonio Conte is happy or even, like, borderline ready to kill anyone with the NBA right now because I think that Courtois made a terrible decision for his own marketing money and the NBA uh, clearly didn't monitor that event properly. So that's all I have to say. I think it was incredibly selfish all the way around. And, you know, if he's out for an extended period of time, Dan, we are completely effed.
1: Yes. There's, there's nothing else to say. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's terrible. Like, it, it, it is terrible. And I, I think that when you think about things that you can control, right, there's controllables and everything. There is a controllable for what the team can can dictate within the contracts and within the directions their players and what they do or don't want to see. And, you know, I I think as you look at what's happening now, I think, you know, obviously some of that may start to filter into the decisions going forward into uh, whether it's renewals or whether it's uh, extensions. Um, You know, these are things they'll have to
2: think about to help protect the club and ultimately to help protect the players. Well, okay, but, like, here's what's frustrating about Courtois. He has a big, dumb mouth about a lot of different stuff. But, like, recently, I would say in the last six months or so, has really, I think, endeared himself with not only his play on the field, he's been tremendous all year, but his interviews in the media, I think he's been a lot more pro-Chelsea, you know, I'm going to stick around, Hazard and I are, are happy here, you know, I'm looking at homes, that kind of stuff. And then it's like he just can't get out of his own way on some of this stuff, Brandon. And I, I'm so frustrated because if it is if it is true that it's at this event and what's being reported is true, it, that is a, a really, really shitty way to lose one of your most important players.
0: This is um, – I'm going to leave it at that, guys. This is so frustrating to hear that money finally does negatively impact performance on the field. I feel like the only way the club would allow this is because Courtois was pushing for it hard himself. Because, Nick, you listed off every single reason why it was a bad idea. And I think Courtois got really excited about this and pushed the club to let him. And they did. They trusted him instead of knowing better. And that's why we're in the situation
2: we are. So... well. Really quick, too, on this, I would say, like, from an American sports fan perspective, for those who are around the world, like, LeBron James does 80 different promotional events, right? Like, he's all over the place. He Sprite beats, you know, all of his endorsers, right? He does all that stuff in the summer because when it's league season, he is dialed in. And, like, he has that kind of commanding respect, like the reason that a lot of teams use their summers to do all their promotional stuff, even with like Adidas or Nike or any of like the team sponsors, because you can't risk this kind of stuff. And that's what's uh, I think that what's really kind of s- sucks about the whole thing. But I won't drone on and on. Just a terrible situation.
0: Yep, so there you go. So if you didn't know about that, that is the situation with uh, Courtois. But we're going to go ahead and take our last break, and then we're going to come back with the Tottenham FA Cup preview. Here we go.
2: Hey, guys, it's Nick. We are very excited to announce one uh, key part of our London trip for those who are going with us and those who are already across the pond and want to come hang out with us for a night. We have set up an awesome... of roundtable event at the atlas pub on saturday may 6th from 7 to 9 p.m we're gonna have some of our favorite chelsea journalists uh the chelsea fancast boys uh and perhaps even some special guests join us uh upstairs in the pub uh from 7 to 9 then we'll probably uh, obviously go out after that but we are very very excited to announce this i think it's going to be an incredible event for those who can attend for those who cannot attend we're hoping to have some sort of video recap to share with you, but I uh, just wanted to make that announcement for those who are listening and, and who have that day kind of marked off on their calendars. Back to you, Brandon.
0: Man, I'm excited for that. That is going to be a blast. But before that, we have to play Hotspurs uh, FA Cup going to Wembley, which is always exciting, <clears throat> even if it's only for a semifinal it's going to be this coming Saturday, April 22nd. And as we head into this game, we've been talking about Spurs form versus ours. They have, well, they've won their last five. The last two matches being Bournemouth and Watford won 4-0, 4-0. Nothing, nothing. They are cruising, Dan. Obviously, Chelsea have had a couple blips on the radar, losing to United and losing to Crystal Palace. But honestly, looking at Tottenham's results, they really haven't had to play anyone too crazy and you would expect them to be winning those games. Yeah, I think that you know, they
1: also have been benefited from, you know, team members stepping up when, you know, Harry Kane was injured. You know, uh son stepped up and was able to to knock a few in for him. You've seen, you know, Christian Eriksen has been on some fantastic four. Uh Ali has, you know, earned him, you know. Could have potentially also been a, a shout for not just a young player of the season, but a player of the season candidate um, from the way that he's played too. And, and they've had a really, really strong backline. Uh, you know, I think there's not many holes. I think you look at what uh, you know Wanyama was able to do uh, this earlier game that we had against them against Angola Conte. Uh, there's a lot that goes into. Um, figuring out how to strategize against Spurs and beat them. And, you know, obviously it's, you know, gone both ways this season and it'll be interesting to see if we can mount the right attack to kind of stifle, uh, stifle them and kind of push them a little further back because we've had a hard time kind of breaking out against them, at least in our last match.
0: Nick, where are you standing on this? You know, we talked about does Diego cost to play, does he not? Do you think there's gonna be any other potential lineup changes or is Conte gonna go full out with this match?
2: Uh you have to go full out, but I think Diego has a real problem uh, as far as playing time goes. Um, you know, I think Dan mentioned it earlier, you know, if if he does not start Diego in one of the biggest matches in our season. You know, I, I think that's pretty much the nail in the coffin. Um, and and maybe he comes back, you know, I hope he does from whatever lapse of form this is. But uh, there's just a lot of big, big questions asked there. You know, I think the thing that I look at with this game um, is you, you see how Tottenham presses. That has given us trouble all year. And you see how our midfield right now is not. Humming along uh, On all all cylinders like they, they Were earlier in the year There's a lot that has to happen I think your your wingbacks uh, Have to play incredibly well Your back line has to stay Within their own range Of ability you know I've seen Diego Or Diego uh, David Louise come out And try to break up plays too much recently I've seen Gary Cahill Get isolated one on one and Dave Obviously did not have a great game in the air Today uh just a lot that goes into that and and you need some sort of attacking thrust i think i think for chelsea to win this match they're going to need to get the first goal and uh you know maybe it opens up from there It's going to be
0: intense. Obviously, we need to see if Thibaut
2: Courtois will be
0: back. Marcos Alonso, will he be back? A couple of big pieces that we need. Um, Tottenham, obviously, are going to run at Chelsea and try to pin us on the back foot. But, you know, hopefully that opens them up on the counterattack a little bit if we can, um, you
2: know, find a pass going forward. So it's going to be... something, Something that works in our favor here, though, is that Wembley is a big pitch. And if you saw Spurs play... In the Champions League at Wembley, which was hilarious, they they didn't do very well. Uh, they their pressing game is a lot more effective in a confined arena like White Hart Lane is. This is very open, and so Chelsea might have some more space. Brandon on the outside to play some long balls and maybe get in behind their back line
0: yeah and I would like to see Chelsea use the width a little bit more when we play this four or three four two one uh, I feel like we're pinched in too much and we're too stuck trying to go right down the middle of the field rather when we're playing the three four three and Hazard and William and Pedro are all the way out wide really isolating those wing backs or even getting in behind them Uh, it's gonna be more successful Dan you know as Nick mentioned Spurs suck at Wembley. Like this cannot be the time for them to turn it around.
1: Yeah, you know, I think too. You know, if you're going to call on a shout for Fabregas to go in, you'd also probably want you know a, a informed Diego Costa be to be there. So I think if you're going to see you know Hazard, William, and Pedro start up top, uh, don't be surprised if it's a Conte managed midfield. Um, You know, I think just from a building that width on the sides, you also have to kind of boss around the middle. And you know, Erickson has looked good in there. Um, You know, Ali playing out of the midfield has looked good too. It's going to be very interesting to see with their health kind of getting into a good rhythm. Ours being the question mark, what lineup do we actually put out there? And. You know, I think until an hour before the match uh, or two hours before the match, we're really not going to know what to actually expect. And uh, that's a weird thing to think about because I think a lot of the games this season, it's been almost cut and paste with the lineup and we are not at the point of the season where that's the, the truth anymore.
2: It would be a weird shout and I'm I'm throwing it out there. If Diego does not start Brandon, it would be an interesting shout for Hazard or Pedro to go up top. And for Ruben to come in on the left, um, and and I I know that probably won't happen, but I'm trying to think of a way to maybe replace Diego's size up front, and and to give the you know Tottenham backline a little bit of a different look, and that could be really interesting from an interchange perspective.
0: It's true. Uh, that would definitely shake things up, and give him a chance to really you know prove his credentials. Uh, I was just thinking about this we were literally one foul away from seeing Diego Costa back to scoring form today. When Marcos Rojo pulled him down as it was a foot race because Fabregas unlocked him, just put him in and Rojo pulled him down right away. Like, damn, if, if he wouldn't have done that and Costa would have been in like the crazy thing is this could all be null. Like this wouldn't even be a debate right now. And I think that's what is part of it. Right. Is like, I know he's been playing so bad but he only needs one chance and obviously the chance he got at Bournemouth he smashed off Smith's face going wide but like today like I hate Rojo Morgan was watching the game she's like does he really have a diamond tattoo on his neck I'm like yes super douche yes he does (laughs) but the problem is like that that's what it was I don't know random thought that's just what I think Uh, you know whether or not Conte picks Costa is going to be a huge uh, point of interest I'm sure Simon Johnson and Nas and and um, Liam will all be posting the lineup the second it's released to the media so keep your eye on that but with that being said Chelsea fans we're going to go ahead and wrap this up another long episode but not because it's quantity over quality this thing is jam-packed final thoughts so gentlemen um, I'm really excited about him this week because, uh, well, we wrote him in, so I know it's going, um,
2: <laughs> Nick, let's go ahead and start with you. I like yours. Cool. So a couple of announcements really quick, uh, go follow our good friend, Chris Axon. I, I convinced him to, uh, put together an Instagram account for all of his amazing photos, uh, especially so we can credit him on that platform. But, uh, Chris Axon is at Chelsea esque. So, uh, the word Chelsea, E S Q U E. Uh, on Instagram, please go follow him show him some love from our audience um, and I will tag him on all of his photos from, from Instagram and, and Facebook as well second piece, I'm going on the Chelsea fan cast for the first time ever on Tuesday and it's sure to be a rousing affair uh, with with uh, with Chidge and um, his, whoever he selects on, on the opposite side of me but very excited to go on the fan cast, um, I know that uh, we we might have a couple more chances to make that happen for all three of us, but uh, they're they're excited to have me, and, and I'm very excited to go on. So take a listen this week and uh, and uh, give those guys some love too. Yeah, good luck with that, Nick. You're gonna you're gonna need it. Um, <laughs> it's if like walking want... into a buzzsaw, man.
1: <laughs> is, that, is that is that when Nick gets dropped from from our lineup? Is that when he you know kind of the rare drop of form?
2: <laughs> man like i don't even know what to think of it right now because i thought we'd have a win to talk about but like, this is this could get spicy over there
0: <laughs> no it's gonna be a good episode especially i believe liam toomey from espn fc will be on as well plus the usual uh shenanigans so um definitely check it out uh dan you've got an interesting one here what what did you find
1: yeah, I was uh, just looking looking through the the interwebs today and saw that uh, uh, the wonderful uh, Christian Fuchs was doing a uh, Ask Me Anything on Reddit. And someone asked him, if he were stuck on an island with a raft, three days of supplies, food, and a dog, for whatever reason, what three Premier League players would you want there and why? And he said, I would only need one, Conte, to get me off the island and swim me across the ocean to safety. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so if you're really wondering uh, what players are valued by other players, uh, maybe at least for their ability to rescue them off an island and swim them to safety. Uh, and Golo Kante uh, covers more than just surf. He covers the security blanket for players as well.
0: It's amazing. And it does it just shows you how high of a regard, you know, his former teammates have for him. That's fantastic. So thank you for that. Um, my last shout out just to Janique. Unique Janique, who made her Awkward Eleven. It was fantastic stuff. We really appreciate you helping us out on that. We fumbled through about three or four. You completed the Awkward Eleven. So if you want to see it, go to our Facebook group uh, at London Blue Pod. But that's a wrap for this episode. Chelsea fans, don't quit just yet. I'm just kidding. Don't quit ever. It's going to be tight as we head into the end of the season. But, you know, we've got to just keep focused on the fact that we are still in first. And until we are actually overtaken, we just have to continue to look three points, one point at a time until we hit the mark we need to keep that Premier League trophy that we already have so, so close to our graphs. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, thank you for listening. And until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.